Hello, welcome to Show Me Your Mic, podcast where I talk to other podcasts about their podcasts. You can find it online at goodstuff.fm slash SMYM or on Twitter at SMYM underscore FM. I'm your host, Chris Enns, and for this episode, I've got Jason DeFilippo, host of Grumpy Old Geeks. He's a returning guest. Uh, since last we talked, he's also moved into the realm of being a uh, media production career guy, and uh, you'll hear about that some of the gear and stuff that he's upgraded to since we last talked as well. And of course, the podcast he's listening to since we last talked as well. <laughs> All right. Enjoy my conversation with Jason. We'll talk to you again later. Thanks. All right, welcome to Show Me Your Mic, and uh, we'll get to my guest, Jason, in just a second. But before we do, I just had to mention a little quick cross-promotional note that uh, on goodstuff.fm, I'm pleased to announce we have a new show, and it'll be of interest, I guess, if specifically if you're uh, a U2 fan or if you're a music fan, I guess maybe, and U2 happens to be one of the things you don't despise. I know U2 tends to be... <laughs> a band that either divides you hate or love but at any rate uh there's a website called at u2.com that's been a u2 fan site for about 20 some years and recently in talks with uh matt mcgee over there who runs the the ship over there we're sort of doing a cross promotional uh hosting of a podcast that they're starting i'm i'm helping host and so if you check that out at goodstuff.fm slash at u2 atu and then the number two of course um but uh yeah pleased to announce that and, and excited about so where it's going to go their bands on tour right now so there's lots to talk about and uh things to get get discussed and what bono is wearing i guess and things like that <laughs> so anyways into the show uh jason welcome to the show thank you very much back on for a second appearance always good to have people back it means i didn't tick them off or embarrass them too much. <laughs> but uh, you've had some changes since last we talked in your, uh, well, gear and career and location. Lots of changes actually since last we talked, I guess, right? Yeah, quite a bit, quite a bit. Last time we talked, I was a software engineer who was a part-time podcaster. And now I am kind of a pseudo full-time podcast producer and, you know, uh, amateur podcaster on the side. So. <laughs> That's awesome. So, so we were, you're still doing the Grumpy Old Geeks podcast. That's still haven't uh, missed a week in over two years. That's, that's awesome. That's, I wish I, I should have a soundboard here ready to go with applause because that's missing doing a regular weekly show that long. That consistently is, is worthy of praise for sure in, in this industry because most, I, I don't know the stats, and, but it generally feels like most shows peter out after probably 10. Ten to thirteen seems to be the the magic number where people are just like, ah, this isn't as much fun as I thought yeah. it was going to be. <laughs> the money and the fame hasn't rolled in quite as quickly as I hoped, and so yeah, let's go try something else, maybe blogging. But yeah, let's go back and try that blog. <laughs> but yeah, that's amazing, and uh, and definitely. So you're on. I think it was episode fifty nine. I'll put it in the in the show notes here again, so people can go back if they want to hear the the pre. <laughs> pre-move pre-life changes stuff a version of jason <laughs> yeah it's the fat skinny uh, the fat picture and the skinny picture the before and after <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so and then now so what is what's um i guess starting with location just for interest sake where where were you and where are you now in the world oh man last time we talked i was i was in chicago yeah yeah i was in chicago because i remember sending you a picture of my standing desk studio rig thing uh and uh, i've moved to los angeles now because this is where 
kind of where my job is. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a change. After a couple winters in Chicago, I was ready to go. <laughs> nice. And I uh, apparently picked a hot time to move to L.A. Yeah, yeah. I should have brought some extra water. We had too much of it back there and there's nothing here. Right. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, and then as far as the career change and and what whatever amount of it you're allowed, you're able to talk about, I guess, or whatever. But what what prompted the change to sort of media producer, podcast editor, production stuff? What happened? Uh, well, yeah, one of my clients uh, is a company called The Art of Charm, and they have a, a top fifty podcast. And I was kind of I was friends with Jordan Harbinger, the host of that, and you know we would just talk shop all the time and talk podcasting stuff. But I was also kind of freelancing software development with them. And it just kind of worked out that the he needed help on the podcast. I like doing podcasts. I don't like writing software. So kind of I've kind of pivoted. And now I'm the full-time producer for the Art of Charm podcast as well as software developer for the Art of Charm on, on the side as well. It's, I have kind of split roles, but most of my day now is podcast producing which is a, a big change after 22 years of software development. Nice. And so, and obviously that's a passion interest of yours that you're sort of pursuing or going down this road, obviously. Um, what, what does podcast production mean in terms of uh, what your involvement is, I guess, with, with The Art of Charm? Uh, so I kind of shadow Jordan on the shows. I, I sit in the background and you know do research, like live research with the guests, because it's an interview show. And I'll do live research and kind of throw questions and try and keep the show on track. And also, I co-host sometimes, so I get to be on the show. Uh, if you ever listen to it, I'm quote-unquote producer Jason. <laughs> and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll chime in every now and again if it's a topic that I have uh, domain experience in, usually nerdy stuff like security or futurisms and things like that. So, right. and, uh, and also, just on the back end, running the the... Uh, editing with our editor in London, uh, ad placement, recording with Jordan, our one-off shows. It's a, it's, there's a lot of stuff and, and pre-interviews and research with upcoming guests. Nice. And so, yeah, that's what I was going to clarify, I guess, on what, where the division is of labor or whatever, I guess, but cause, um, I, well, first of all, it'd be awesome. I, I can only imagine having a producer here who is handing me questions. So is it, when you say that, is it sort of behind the scenes, whatever, where they're like via Slack or I am or, or in the room together with? No, uh, well, it's sometimes it's, it's in the, in the room. Most of the time it's over Slack cause Jordan's in San Francisco and I'm in Los Angeles. Oh, and gotcha. every every couple of weeks, I'll go up there and we'll do some stuff in the room together, which is way more fun. Um, but the other otherwise, we're on Slack and just chatting back and forth the whole time, and it's it's a lot of fun. And so, you're are you the one doing the actual recording of the show as well, like remotely or in the room, or is it kind of how do I guess how do you handle the recording of the show? Uh, we both record it. Jordan Jordan does the master. I do the secondary, and then if I'm on the show, then I'll I'll splice my stuff in later. But mostly, we want to keep it on the host's computer because we want full fidelity on his side. Right. Nice. And so then you're not. You mentioned there's an editor in London, so you're not necessarily having to do edit production work that side, or is it? How does I it still happen? do every now and again yeah. if we need if we need to get something done? Right. And as, and I still edit Grumpy Old Geeks. Right. That one as well. <laughs> Nice. Well, that's fun. That's a, I, it sounds like anyways that you're excited about that. And that's a fun way to get into this medium and actually, you know, get, get paid for it, which is kind of a nice perk <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. See, you know, I, I let, I let them figure out how to get a, a, you know, a 
worthwhile podcast that pays the bills. And then I just kind of glommed onto it on the <laughs> side because it takes a long time. It took eight years for them to, you know, really get where they're at today. And they stuck with it the whole time. Yeah. And, so uh, that's for- from stick to itiveness. Well, yeah, there are 400 and some episodes here. I just was on their site and looking and stuff. For somebody who hasn't listened at all to The Art of Charm, what's theartofcharm.com is where you can find it. But um, what is the podcast about, just so if they're wanting to check it, it out? It, yeah, it's an interview show based around, you know, self-improvement and becoming a better person. And our, you know, our motto is uh, leave everyone and everything better than you found it. So we bring in top people in all fields. We don't, you know, nowadays we're bringing in uh, psychologists, neurobiologists, authors. Um, who did I talk? We talked to Stephen Kotler the other day. He just wrote a a new, obviously New York Times bestselling book because that's what he seems to do. <laughs> I don't know how how these people do this. I and it's just uh, consistently. <laughs> yeah, I know it's great. And we've talked to just a ton of other people. And for me, it's a dream job because I get to talk to all these really interesting people like all the time. This is like a master class in self improvement, and I get paid to do it. Nice. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, and so the the getting to sit in on some of those conversations, which I think that's the for me, anyways. I know podcasting is kind of the vehicle and the excuse to talk with the folks uh, that you wouldn't otherwise have a chance to just chat with, and whether it's fellow podcasters on this show or interview shows that you just dream up a premise for. Especially now, it seems like, anyways, it's a lot easier to get guests on a show. Um, well, speaking like the at U two podcast I was mentioning. They were at the U2. The band was on Song Exploder, which is a 15 episode, or no, maybe a few more, but not a very, not a huge podcast. It's now on 99% Invisible, but he had the band on this podcast, which was like kind of this unique get, I guess, for the, for a podcast level thing. And reportedly the band was like really excited about it and wanted to do more of that kind of stuff. It's because it's, I'm, I'm guessing from their perspective too, it's like sit in the studio or at home or whatever, pop on Skype and just, you just chat. You don't have to go to like a press briefing with unknown 30 people or whatever asking you a bunch of questions about a thing you can just sit in the comfort of a studio or whatever <laughs> yeah and it's always more conversational so you always get better stuff out of it and you know it's amazing how we can get like 90 minutes with a top tier celebrity that you know a tv station can't get more than seven minutes out of so it's you, you get you really get good gets with you know just the the explosion of podcasting. I know it's, you know, it's not the second Renaissance. It's been around here forever, Yeah, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I'm not, not going down that road. I don't want to start, get, get into that religious war, <laughs> but uh, it, it's nice that, you know, we're all seen as like a little bit more legitimate nowadays. Yeah, exactly. And I should, I'll just do a quick correction of myself. I said it's 15, some episodes, actually 43 episodes of song explorer. I don't know where I got 15 from. I just was looking it up for the book show notes and I <laughs> uh, don't want to disparage any huge song explorer fans out there, <laughs> but <laughs> all right. And shame so, for shame yeah, exactly <laughs> he does a unique uh actually that should be that should be somebody i should try and get on i guess is how he get him on to talk about how he edits the show because he does a great job of interspersing story because there's some debate uh about just amongst the staff at the at u2 site as far as is it uh you know was it a sit-down interview with the band actually or was he just sent audio clips of the band talking about the song and then he you know because far be it from Bono to step down into a lowly podcaster studio or something. <laughs> but actually, apparently it was actually the band was interviewed by him and then he got to edit together because he had, uh, this is a little bit of a rabbit trail, but you think like if you have you 2 on your podcast, why not just go for like an hour and just, you know, air the whole thing. But he did follow his normal, um, and it just like put, if you hate you 2 put whatever band is your favorite thing in there, Metallica or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> band you have or artist you like or whatever but um it would be hard for me to like stick to my program of like 
no, I'm just going to have a 15 minute long show talking about this one song, not going to do anything else with them. Just stick to that, you know, um, but anyways, I digress. I'll save that for the at YouTube podcast. The, uh, <laughs> you can tell I, do have, I like. do have a fun bit of YouTube trivia. Okay. I worked with a guy at Technorati way back in the early 2000s who actually gave U2 U2.com. Oh, really? And in exchange for that, he can call them anytime and get free tickets to any concert ever. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, he's got, he, he got the golden ticket for U2.com. <laughs> That's so he good. gets a lot of yeah he gets a lot of phone calls from friends when YouTube comes to town and he hooks them all up. Nice, wow, yeah. that's a nice little bit of a connection. All right, uh, okay. So getting back to podcasting, uh, the talk to me a bit about some gear you've changed since last. I didn't go back and listen, but uh, I know back then you were using a few different less less gear, I guess probably or less. Yeah, I mean, gear. That, <laughs> yeah, that's the funny thing. Uh, back then, I was just adamant that. Everybody should just have USB mics. That was it. We're good. We don't need soundboards. We don't need all this fancy stuff. And uh, yeah, since then, I w- back then I was using a, just a Rode Podcaster, and so was Brian. We were both on those. So we had you know the same setup. And now I'm calling from uh, uh, an Electrovoice RE27 through an Apollo Twin with a whole bunch of universal audio plugins. And in between then, I had this giant 16-channel PreSonus mixing board that I kind of cut my teeth on trying to figure out what all the knobs did. <laughs> and, you know, I still think you can get really good stuff out of USB, but man, it's just more fun to have all this gear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know it's, it, that's part of the, the, the fun, I guess, of it or whatever is to have, it's, I was saying to you before we started recording, it's a little, it's a bit intimidating because there's so many knobs and then you think like, if I change one thing, it's going to wreck my whole sound. Um, but, but it is fun to have the knobs and the gear and the, things so what's um in your experiments with different stuff what have you found like for your hosts on on the art of charm and your and uh grumpy old geeks and stuff have you sort of pushed them to upgrade in different ways or how has that worked well most of my stuff came from the art of charm i kind of i got gifted down a lot of stuff oh, okay after, after as they upgraded i would get the the hand-me-downs you know right. <laughs> the, the size too small t-shirt for a long time <laughs> And that's what really kind of got me into it and learning, you know, what, you know, what is a gate, what is a compressor and a limiter and what the, what all the knobs do. And so it was basically a crash course in audio engineering. And I am by, by no means that great at it yet, but it's still, you know, it was really fun to do that. Now that we've kind of upgraded and kept going, uh, we all use Apollos. Uh, Jordan's got an Apollo 8, I've got an Apollo Twin, and those are just fantastic and we, you know, with all the plugins that you can get from Universal Audio, we can we can have everything just perfect. Save it as a preset because God knows every time you turn on any kind of audio equipment, it resets to some random setting that you have to spend half an hour trying to find. It is like what what changed, and then you just you know reload your presets and you're off to the races. Oh yeah, that sounds nice. And so then um, setting it for even like you could have a setup for a certain guest and just reload that if you wanted to or whatever. Yep, exactly. So like on my side, I've got, I've got a plug-in set for Grumpy Old Geeks. I've got a plug-in set for The Art of Charm. And I was doing two other shows. I was doing a show called Vapid, which was just kind of my version of Daily-ish, which, <laughs> which was just about as ish as, as yours seems to be. Yeah. And uh, I did another show called Does It Have Legs, which was a two to three person uh, roundtable that was all in the room. We didn't do any Skype on that. That was just three guys sitting around having a beer, watching a movie and talking about it. But um 
Yeah, it's and we had presets for all of the, those things with the presonus, but we never got to it with the twin. Once once I got the twin, I had to kick off a guest because you can only do two people with this thing. Oh right. <laughs> so it does still handle um, working as a Skype, like two people in the room. You're talking, or you can you use it for. Um, it's Skype only got two, minus? Yeah, it's only got two XLR inputs on it. Oh, okay, right. Um, I can do a Skype mix minus with another. Uh, with another Mac, I've only got one Mac now, but I had everything running with full mix minus with with the twin with uh, three guests, but it was it was it was a pain. <laughs> oh, I will not uh, not kid you on that one. <laughs> the Apollo Eight is much easier because you've got all the inputs. And yeah, that's what, we, that's what we run up in San Francisco. We've got a full mix minus setup up there with multiple computers, multiple inputs, and multiple studio mics. Yeah, I'm just looking at both of them. So the twin is kind of nice. Um, I'm sure there's audio geeks out there who heard about everything i i i'm the kind of audio geek who once i settle on something i don't want to bother looking because it just will tempt me to buy something that i can't afford to buy anyways and so oh yes but, yes definitely <laughs> so that's where i hate window shopping because i i it just makes me want to buy stuff and so i just try and avoid it but um but it's still fun to geek out that's for sure on stuff and so with the twin is kind of nice because it's well looks fairly small right like it, it, completely portable yeah utterly portable i've got a, a small carry-on um uh, what do you call it? Pelican case, where I've got two boom arms, two RE27s, the cables, and the twin, and I can take that anywhere and do a two-person show with it with my you know carry-on on the plane because God knows you don't want to check that thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the nice thing about the twin. I had uh, that Presona 16 before, and I had to carry that in a backpack, and it weighed like 30 pounds. <laughs> and, and the twin is just like okay, I can just stick it in my my you know my backpack, and off off you go. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's and it and it's uh what's the big knob? There's just one big volume knob it looks like on the That that pretty much controls everything. Most of the stuff you do in software. Right. I almost the only thing I use the knob for are my monitor my headphone monitors. Oh. Okay. And I don't do anything. I, you can adjust pretty much everything through it, but the the console program that comes with like all the universal audio products is really uh nice and you can do every you can control the entire thing from the console program. And Mac and PC, I assume these days. Oh yeah, yeah. Because um, the, the the thing that would kind of worry me, I guess, and going back to what we we're talking about with hardware, and maybe other podcasters or audio nerds out there have, have experienced this as well, is like there's only so much screen real estate, and so you've got your say, I don't know, what are you software are you using for recording these days? Um, we use a, a combo uh, sound studio for basic stuff. Uh, we use Audacity up in San Francisco, which we're probably getting rid of. We found some really weird bugs in that. And uh, everything else is Logic Pro. Right. But yeah, so you've got Logic running, and then you're sort of switching back to then the, uh, what is it called? The Universal Audio app? Console. Console, yeah. Yeah. And switching back and forth on that. I guess once you've got it, if you've got a couple of screens going, no big deal. I'm just looking at my 13-inch MacBook Air screen and feeling cramped with Logic as it is. <laughs> as it is but the is it easy enough to sort of fiddle and and do stuff on the fly while you're recording with the the software yeah yeah you can you can you can change all the inserts and plugins and all your uh line inputs and you know db values and all that stuff and it's it's a fairly small footprint because it's 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 vertical and i'll I'll send you a screenshot of it when we're done oh sure yeah yeah that'd be good and then uh yeah it 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 definitely i know uh kyle roderick fellow good stuff host here on transmission is uh i'm drawing a blank on the system he's using software but it's another software-based hardware mixer and then a software-based uh connections that he's got running in there and it's a common one and i just can't bring it to the tip of my tongue so 
think of it later probably, but, <laughs> um, yeah, unfortunately I never got to meet Kyle cause he was supposed to come to my welcome to LA barbecue, but got stuck at the airport after WWDC. So oh, did he? Oh, shoot. I'm going to I'm gonna have to run down to orange County and check out his rig sometime. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it definitely is appealing to me the, the idea of getting into software and, and just having desk space back again would be nice <laughs> as I, this 16 channel mixer is really fun to have, but when I only use two to three, maybe four channels of it and it takes up half my desk, uh, certainly would be nice to have something a little different than that. So um, was it difficult as far as getting set up, say, on the Apollo 8? I don't know if you were involved in any of that config and, and set up uh, with down Yeah, uh, Yeah, I was, I was up there a couple of weeks, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we, we were just rerouting everything and making sure everything was working right. So I got to play with the 8. And the great thing about the 8, the 8 and the twin, it's, the software is exactly the same. So when you're controlling it, you basically just have more inputs. So if you know one, you can easily switch to the other. Right. The thing about the eight is it's a rack mount, so it's much bigger. Right. Yeah. But it does. Yeah. If you get set up with the rack, then you can actually just set it in the corner, leave it, run the. Yeah, we've got we've got a mobile rack unit, so we can just roll everything around. Nice. Which works really nice. And the nice thing about so if you have a twin, you can't daisy chain them. So if you're just running a twin, it's uh, thunder. I've got the Thunderbolt to my Mac. And you cannot add another twin. But if you have an eight, you can you can daisy chain a twin onto the end of an eight because the twin is like the terminating device. Oh, okay, gotcha. So you can have an eight and a twin. Right, and add, yeah, right. So if you need just a, like a few more inputs, if you are doing a 10-person podcast, which why would you ever want to do that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can do it. Nice. And so, yeah, then, uh, yeah, it gives you that expandability as you need to if even if you bring someone in like you, you know, yourself or whatever, come down there and you can add, if you, for whatever reason you wanted to add your, your twin onto it. Yeah. That's like that expandability, which isn't often, or didn't seem to be anyways common amongst audio gear in the past, I guess, but it's kind of nice to be able to do that. Um, and then as far as, um, any other, like when you picked up this gear or got handed <laughs> the gear, or whatever. Well, yeah, yeah. Most of it I bought, but uh, the, the twin and the presonus were, yeah. uh, were, were work uh, related items, so I got those for work. And but is there I, got, a, I put my own RE twenty sevens just because I love them, and I saved up for a long time to get them because I always wanted them. <laughs> nice. Actually, I always wanted the RE twenties, and then I did some tests with it, and we had we had both of them uh, up at the studio. We use RE twenties because that's that's what Jordan likes. His, that's he likes his voice on the RE twenties. I like my voice on the RE twenty sevens. So I bought his RE27 off of him and then got another one so I could have the dual set up for when I, if I go do like a live Grumpy Old Geeks show or we need just a full set. Yeah. Nice. But man, yeah, these things are nice. Yeah. Well, it sounds great for sure on what, from what I'm hearing here and, uh, and hopefully uh, when folks, and it's not like, I mean, it's a, what it listed list price, I think is around 500 bucks and probably cheaper at various. 475, then another. Well, another hundred for the shock mount. They, they, man, they get you on the shock mount. Hundred nine <laughs> bucks for you know two pieces of metal and some rubber bands. Yeah. <laughs> and I was using the um, the windscreen, the big poofy, you know, black windscreen on it for a while just to get some pops down. But then I switched over to the little BSW filter, which is another like eighty bucks. But it's it's much nicer. You don't have this big thing in front of your face. But yeah, they always everything gets you in the accessories, whether it's your iPhone or your. Or your microphone. <laughs> they always yeah, get you on the accessories. <laughs> and I'm running Megami cables, so those are another 15 bucks a shot. And if I want to put uh, mute buttons in here, which I probably will at some point, the hardware mute buttons, so that's another 50 bucks for the mute button and another $50 cable just to kind of patch together. <laughs> yeah, it, it is death by a thousand cuts. Yeah. 
<laughs> but hey, at least now you're you're getting paid to podcast basically. And and oh so yeah, good. yeah, no, that that's that awesome. part's great. I I have not loved my job this much in probably 15 years because man, software development is not fun. <laughs> yeah, you've said that a few times. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing. I'd like to reiterate, software development is not fun. <laughs> Don't learn to code, kids. <laughs> They're lying to you. Yeah, that's the, despite the message that every, whatever, every computer business right now is telling everybody to learn to code. Yeah. <laughs> Jason Don't says learn otherwise. to code because your startup will fail. That's, that's my <laughs> life advice for you. <laughs> Podcasting is where the money is. <laughs> uh, well, I wouldn't go that far. Yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. It's a lot more fun. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. What I was going to ask you is with the getting the software, um, I keep uh, blanking on it, the uh, audio interface console, sorry. Yeah. Was there other plugins that you recommended or as far as getting started with, if somebody wanted to go down this route, uh, what else would you recommend? On the plugin side, you can get 99% of the job done with the API vision control. Um, That or the API vision insert, it's got everything. It's a full soundboard almost. And that's something, is that included with the, or that's an extra? Uh, most of the time when you buy something from Apollo, you get like free plug-in credit. So you can go buy, I mean, these plugins are usually about anywhere from $75 to $500, but most are around the two to $300 range. Um, and I found that the, yeah, the API vision is the one that I can get almost everything done with. Nice. Oh, API that. vision channel strip. Is that what I'm just looking at? Yeah, yeah, the channel strip. That's it. That's yeah. the one. Okay. Yeah, I wish it was a little more digital instead of analog. They like to do all their plugins have like the original interfaces from what they're copying it, you know, was. Right. And so, you know, you've got knobs and everything. So if you're if you're trying to, you know, change a guest on the fly and you don't get that knob control right, it can it can be a little stressful. Yeah. You just, when you blow out the gain like accidentally, it's like <laughs> that was that was not good. Yeah, I started going with the skeuomorphic styling, but doesn't always make for an easy to actually use when you're using a yeah, yeah. on it or whatever. Give yeah. me the numbers. I like the numbers. Which the probably numbers. for audio geek heads from who are used to the full studio stuff, it's it is nice and comforting to have that visual style of knob so they know where stuff is. But yeah, it'd be it'd be nice to be able to. I know sometimes software can allow you to sort of flip a switch and just turn it to just sliders or or check boxes or whatever makes make it look a little less real, but actually make it more efficient to actually use. But I yeah, that, that was the pre the presona stuff was like that, and it was that was really easy to control because the presonus that I had had the same kind of like massive control software with it, so you could save your, your you could run the entire board. You'd never had to touch a knob; it could all be done in software, and it had really nice sliders and stuff like that. But um, I just like when I had the thing, I'm like, well, why would I do that? I got the knobs. I want to play with the knobs. <laughs> Come on, yeah, exactly. Fun in that. <laughs> totally. And so um, with the show and, and what your you know, sort of your involvement with it and, and, and producing the show and things like that, what sort of the, um, the long-term plans, is it sort of keep gearing up and upgrading gear and stuff or you're kind of, what, what are your sort of hopes we've, and yeah, plans for it? We're maxed out with gear. We're done. <laughs> you're done for now. <laughs> yeah, no, we, no more cycles spent on playing with gear. Uh, at least for until the next cool thing comes out. But I think we're I think we're good for a year. We just got everything set up. We're we're rocking now. Now the plan right now is just to keep growing the show. The show's been just you know on a rocket trajectory. So now that I'm there and helping out and can you know hopefully push the show to the the next level. And uh, I mean these guys have have done an amazing job before I got there. I mean geez, top fifty podcast after eight years. You got to they put in the work. 
So yeah, definitely. A- anything that you insights you've gleaned, I guess, from your involvement with them, as far as for new podcasters, fresh, you know, advice. Obviously, the the idea of just sticking to it, like we alluded to earlier, like you can't. You're not going to get into the top 50 just by putting out five episodes and then quitting. <laughs> That's sort of a given, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> no, you got to put in the work. And it comes down to practice, practice, practice. Do as many shows as you can. That really is, is you know, there's no substitute for it. You can't, you can't fake your way out of it. And do as much show prep as you can. Always have good show prep. And then when, you, when it comes time to press record, it's just like you're, you know, it's natural. That's really one of the, the best things I've learned. Because we used to do Grumpy Old Geeks on the fly, and we would just wing it. And I, I, I am trying to get Brian to let me delete all those old episodes. <laughs> but, man, those, those are bad. And now we do, we do probably seven to eight hours of prep for our one-and-a-half-hour show every week. And we do that seven, seven to eight hours each, finding stories, honing it, getting it crafted right. And um, just, you know, pre- preparation is really key, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, what's um in terms of switching to Grumpy Old Geeks, um the the like the the amount of prep you're putting in, what what are some of the things that you're doing uh that sort of help the show, do you think? Like obviously finding links and and articles and stuff, but what sort of practical ways of making that into a thing that you can use to better produce and record the show? Does that make sense? Well, so yeah, yeah. Now we uh, you know, after a long time we kind of came up with a format for the show that we're sticking to. And we have a hackpad document that is like a basic hackpad document that we fill in every week. And we've got all the sections lined out. It's just pre-populated with all the sections. It's super easy to use and it's real-time collaborative. So we can actually have, if we just happen to be online, we have chats in the window and kind of reorganize uh, what links we're talking about so there's a distinct flow to the show uh, most weeks when we can get to it. Um, but that that kind of is our main prep. It's like we'll we'll have uh, maybe 100 links in there and then we'll talk about what works as far as, you know, uh, beat points go. And then we'll pull out different articles or if something gets stale by the time it's time to record, we record Friday mornings and we release about two hours after. Um, so we try and keep it as fresh as possible. And, you know, we'll just kind of reorganize everything on the fly until we hit the button. And sometimes if, if it's not working right, we'll just change it, go back, kill, kill a segment, bring a new one in if there's like breaking news or something. Right. And I think that, that, uh, that ability to be not afraid to um, mess with the format, like you alluded to where like now you've sort of locked in and found it, but um, I'll keep referencing Kyle Rodder too, but I know for his show transmission here and good stuff, that's similar idea of where, you know, they've, they aren't afraid to mix it up and try something to see if they can land on a better format rather than sort of sticking with what they've always done. And, uh, and I guess it's tough to know when that point is, but I think generally you kind of feel it, right? Like you kind of know this show as a podcast recorder or producer, you kind of feel like something's not sitting right. It's not either, maybe it feels like it's not as fun maybe or something, but in actuality, it's just that you need to change it up because the show could be better and, and not being afraid to kill your darlings. Is that the, yeah oh yeah yeah yeah. no definitely and you know if you've done a segment so many times that it's just getting stale kill it if you're not having fun doing it kill it and find something new to talk about i mean we used to have a segment where we would make fun of kickstarter every week and that just got old you know (laughs) you can only make fun of kickstarter so many times where it's just like oh this is the part where they make fun of kickstarter okay skip skip you know Yeah, exactly. And I guess the the longevity of, of sticking with something, you're on episode 118 now of, with Grumpy Old Geeks, and, and that familiarity and 
and like you alluded to on the art of charm where the, the, your co-hosts and your, your, uh, production of the show even it becomes second nature it becomes really easy to talk with each other you have lots of common language and uh that's what i often struggle with with this show is you know a new guest each time as much as i'm the same (laughs) hopefully more or less the guest is new each time and and there is you're sort of starting from scratch in a sense as far as building a camaraderie in that hour very quickly and trying to establish that whereas obviously a show like yours 100 and some episodes in it's fairly well established that you guys your your language and verbiage with each other anyways and i think the audience likes that familiarity as long as it doesn't become stale i guess is and yeah 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 it took us it took us a long time to get even though we've been friends for 25 years and we did a lot of shows in person at the beginning which actually did really help before we moved to all skype um but building up that rapport early and knowing the the audio cues and the the you can you can hear when you're co-host is about to stop, take a breath, and then, you know, somebody else can talk. It's really hard with a new guest to get that rapport going, for sure. And that's why um, on The Art of Charm, we do pre-calls and get to talk to the people before the show and kind of build up everything, just kind of get a rhythm going before you hit record. And we do that even on uh, Grumpy Old Geeks when we have guests on. We, we have that little kind of, you know, maybe 10, 15 minutes before we even hit click record to just kind of get the the chatter going and kind of figure out what their verbal patterns are, so we'll know when to speak and when they can, like you know, not talk over us and things like that. Yeah, and that's as I wait for you to finish there. The that's definitely um, something I find myself forgetting to do, and the value of just that um, pre-show banter or whatever. Even if there's like like today, my I was waiting for my Mac to reboot because of course it locks up just before we start to record and things like that. And rather than just getting you on the call anyways, and just, you know, we're both geeks. We understand how that works. I'm sort of in this like business as if I'm need to be all prepared and ready to go. As soon as we, as soon as Skype answers or you answer Skype or whatever, we should be going on the show or whatever and stuff. And, and sort of relaxing a little bit about that and in, um, in recording the show and prepping the show, which sounds maybe obvious to folks as you're listening to that. And even as I say it, it sounds kind of obvious, but I do find myself forgetting that and, uh, and, sort of forgetting to relax a bit and just enjoy the the aspect of having a conversation with someone on Skype for the purpose of a show. Because uh, with Art of Charm, when you mentioned like pre-calls and stuff, are you talking about just before you record or do you actually do like a pre sort of show interview to at a different time just to like set things up for later? Yeah, we do interviews. We interview everybody before just to find out what they want to talk about and kind of get our prep together so we can have an outline of what we want to discuss on the show. Because when you do have cold guests, it's really good to have an idea of what your beat points are. You never have to follow it, but you need to have those to go back to so the conversation doesn't kind of trail off. Right, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's, I think with with podcasting being what it is, like we talked about earlier, gaining a bit of prestige and not just this like sort of thing as much as I am sitting in my basement doing it <laughs> that people do from their basement in a bad way. But um, that people do, your guests will respect you for putting in extra time and they'll feel more comfortable coming on. I mean, I have the uh, built-in advantage of this show being uh, with other podcasters who are very comfortable generally talking about themselves or talking on mics and talking and it's not at all weird, but especially if you're having somebody on who's never really done a guest appearance, never had people ask them questions, having a quick conversation beforehand certainly wouldn't hurt in terms of building a bit of rapport so that the conversation you have with them on the show is uh, is warmer and not 
So stay. Well, yeah, you, you got to have a little foreplay before you get to the business. You know, you got to warm everything up, get, get, get everything going. Come on, man. Exactly. You, know, you don't want to just jump right in there. <laughs> That's part of the art of charm, right? <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Uh, okay, just a little bit of a live follow up. I, I was. I messaged Kyle Roderick, speaking of Slack and stuff, I messaged him trying to remember what his mixer was because I, I just talked to him, I don't know, 10 episodes ago on the show, which if you're listening, you know, may have just been yesterday that you listened to that episode and you're like, why can't Chris rec- remember? You just talked to him yesterday, but it was actually a bunch of episodes ago. But anyways, it's the Focusrite Sapphire Pro 40 is the one that Kyle's using. And that's another common one. Um, I'm not here to debate one or the other, but just as a uh, another option in terms of what a uh, the Apollo series of, of gear does the Focusrite Sapphire series is similar ish where it's hardware. You can daisy chain, add more gear, software based controls, all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, the focus rates are great. You know, we, we've used those in the past too mm-hmm. and have, uh, with, with mixed results depends on, on what you're doing with them. But yeah, no, the focus rates are great. Yeah. He's having, I don't know where is he, he's having some issues with, if it's the Mac with core audio issues or the focus rights driver with the Mac or something, I don't know, but definitely having a couple bugs there as well. But, um, it wouldn't be, yeah, it wouldn't be audio production if there were no bugs. Exactly. That's what I was just going to say. There's, you could say that all this and then tomorrow the Apollo stuff decides to just stop working because of a update to whatever notepad or something. <laughs> yeah, really nothing connected, but it all falls to pieces, but that's the fun of uh, doing what we do. So, um, how about uh, I don't know if you have your podcast player handy, but uh, the I don't know if the podcast you actually listened to since last coming on the show has has changed. I can't even remember what I listened <laughs> yeah. to last time. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. We'll we'll do an update and whether it's the same or not, it doesn't matter. I'll but. try and pick some new ones here. <laughs> While you're finding that, I'm just going to mention if if you out there want to be a guest on Show Me Your Mic, because um, I, I sometimes leave it for the end, but some, some people maybe turn off before the end. Maybe they've already turned off and they're missing it. But if you want to be a guest on a future episode of Show Me Your Mic, um, there's links in the show notes, but you can visit goodstuff.appointlet.com and book in a guest. I also set up a, I guess... <laughs> Just as, just as I sort of, uh, I've been aware of Reddit, but I sort of started stumbling across using it actually for podcasts. It kind of has become the, the, the uh, terrible thing, terrible site on the internet. Well, it was before, but more terrible. Anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> I had set up a. We have a good stuff uh, subreddit, which we've sort of used half heartedly for a long time, and we just sort of doubled down on it and started using it a bit more, and then yeah, everything exploded with Reddit. And so who knows where it'll land, but. Um, it is kind of a neat mechanism to use for feedback and, and we kind of are tentatively using it as sort of our comment section if you wanted to use it such because we don't have comments on our episodes and stuff. But um, there is a, a post in there, which again, you can find in the show notes at goodstuff.fm slash smym slash 93 uh, of a subreddit post where you can in our a post in our subreddit of where you can suggest guests for future episodes as well. So if there's somebody you're listening to that you think you'd like to hear to be on show me right, which should be a guest and I'll go take care of like going and trying to book them and get them on the show and convince them to come on and stuff like that. But, um, just, you can throw a suggestion in there and, uh, signing up for a Reddit account doesn't make you an evil person yet. I don't think there's, <laughs> there's just many evil people on Twitter. So we'll figure it all out and maybe it'll get shut down. We'll go somewhere else, but anyway. uh, welcome, welcome to the internet. There's evil people everywhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It just takes them. It just depends on how long it takes them to find the particular place that you're hanging out. Right. Exactly. Uh, all right. So, what what podcasts are you listening to these days? Okay. Some of my LA. favorites are uh, I, every day. I listen to the Morning Dump first thing with Jordan Cooper because that's how I start my day with my tea. 
Um, okay, here's a, I have a question. I, we're, I'm friends with Jordan as well, so this, this is said with much love. But I listen to it. And I, I feel myself getting angry when I listen to it to him because he's ranting, and I agree with a lot of what he's saying, or I disagree. And I, I know it'd be fun to like push back on, but then I'm like, I just feel really tense when I'm listening. Like I'm waiting for him to explode, <laughs> which I guess is with a morning dump. Yeah, that's the interesting thing because uh, we had him as a guest on Grumpy Old Geeks uh, a couple episodes ago or, or a couple months ago, and he explained that most of his outrage is just fake outrage. And once you do that, you, I just, when he gets like wound up, I just start laughing. You yeah. Know, I, I, I actually get kind of loosened up because I know he's going to, he, he's trying to find the joke. He's like going and going and trying to get to the, <laughs> the, the meat of it. And once he gets to the meat of it, then, then there's gold there. So yeah, yeah. it used, to, I know a lot of people that makes it, it makes very tense, <laughs> but uh, for me, I think it's great because it wakes me up in the morning. I'm like, okay, let's, what, what, what are we going to rant about today? Yeah. The other thing which I bugged him about is I can't, uh, definitely can't listen to it in the office or with my kids around. So it, it does limit my, um, in terms of not safe for workness, but oh yes, but he has a, the least safe for work. Yeah, <laughs> he had a great rant. Speaking of Reddit, a good rant on his last episode. Well, as we record, anyway, he doesn't uh, July thirteenth episode, anyways of of it, just on the Reddit situation. And you may disagree or agree with his opinions on it, but it was a good good commentary on on some of that stuff, intermixed with the swearing and the. <laughs> everything else but anyways yeah, i haven't heard this morning's yet because if i'm if i'm ever on another show or if i'm doing a show i never listen to podcasts the same day i'm going to do a podcast oh interesting like as a matter yeah i can't because it just kind of takes my brain out of it then i think i'm thinking about other people's shows right i think it's probably like musicians probably not listening to another band before they go in the studio to write music because you don't want to get tainted by yeah what you're listening to on the other one because i didn't want to come on here and if i'm listening to the morning dump and then i start dropping f-bombs like jordan <laughs> does then that would be a problem oh just be an editing issue for me that's all but yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right anyways that's that's one what's <laughs> another one i'm really digging is the late show podcast stephen colbert's kind of behind the scenes uh podcast with them setting up the new late show right i subscribe to it i haven't actually i don't think i've listened to an episode yet but uh how it's it's been good it's been fantastic yeah it's really good just, just you know, talking to the writers, and he did a, a little short, funny one the other day about the taking down of the Confederate flag in South Carolina that was cute. Um, but most of it is talking to like people in production as they ramp up to get to the show, and it's just a fun behind the scenes. And you know, it's Stephen Colbert; he's amazing. So, and it does. He's actually on it, right? Because that's it's kind of like oh, yeah. seemed like a play on the uh, John Stewart, The Daily Show, without John Stewart podcast, which is is interesting as well. A similar idea where it has, you know, talk with producers about how and why and who books the guests or whatever and stuff like that. But, but this actually does have Colbert on it. Yeah. Colbert runs the show. So oh, nice. He's definitely on it. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh, let's see what else here. I listened to uh, truth and Eliza, Eliza Schlesinger's uh, comedy podcast, which is pretty good. Um, a couple security ones, which would be fairly boring for everybody. <laughs> um, let's see here. What's another good one. The Memory Palace is good. I like that one. Uh, my friend Caleb Bacon has a show called Man School where he interviews a dude every uh, week or so. There, he, he gets really good interviews. He, one time he worked out with uh, Dr. Drew and they did a podcast in between lifting weights. It was pretty good. <laughs> oh, and my favorite, of course, The Dollop, which is, I think, you know, if, if you, it's a history podcast, but it's a comedy podcast. So it's like the antithesis of hardcore history, but you still learn something. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's uh, Dave Anthony and uh, Gareth Reynolds. It is really good. And I think the last one I'll throw out is Defocused with Joe Steele and Dan uh, Sturm. That's really good. They just talk about uh, movies. They're, they work in the effects business. 
So they have a interesting behind the scenes on some of the the way movies are made. But it's also funny they talk about other stuff. So I think those are, I'll, I'll leave it at those for now. Nice. And what are you using these days to listen to podcasts with? What app or? I was I was a hardcore Downcast fan, and I still use it when I need to, uh, you know, just proof proof listen to a show. Uh, but for the most part, I'm I'm stuck in Overcast. Oh yeah, Be- yeah. Because uh, look at my my totals here. Uh, Smart Speed has saved you an extra fifty three hours beyond speed adjustments alone. <laughs> right there, okay, worth the price of admission. Yeah, <laughs> I can't stand orange, but I'll put up with it for fifty three hours of my life back. <laughs> and do you listen to everything? what is it like uh, with smart speed and and smart speed at 1.5 oh, okay yeah because yeah that definitely would uh especially those gaps like the skype gaps or whatever we call them um that happen almost without fail on most podcasts <laughs> we, just call that, we just call that skype now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> definitely would clear up some of those breaks and conversations and uh and stuff it's been a while so i i used overcast originally and then i've since settled on pocket cast but um definitely appreciate the the value as as a big time text expander user i think you can sort of appreciate the the value of what marco did with overcast and that speed smart speed and uh yeah and i i don't i'm not a podcast producer of uh perfectionist or whatever where i think it's like offensive that somebody would use that i think that's perfectly a valid reason to 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 do that especially if someone is doing what i'm doing right now and just rambling without a real purpose and then you can skip over that just a little bit quicker. <laughs> yeah, there's some shows I'll turn it off on. Like if they have a, like a music bed or something like that, like uh, the Lore podcast, I'll right. turn it off for that because the music's so old and I'll take it down to 1x. But for most stuff, you know, they're podcasts. I can listen to it a little bit faster. And it was, that's why it was so weird when we came into the show and you start playing the music. I'm like, man, that sounds slow. What's going on? <laughs> Everybody's theme song is way more upbeat for me. I right. like that part. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's funny. All right. Well, cool. Where can uh, where can folks find you, follow you, all that kind of stuff? What, uh, what? Well, they can find Grumpy Old Geeks uh, at grumpyoldgeeks.com or you can check out my uh, my producer Jason role at The Art of Charm and by going to theartofcharm.com slash podcast. Is there a specific uh, podcast of either episode of either one that uh, we should, I can link to or recommend or whatever? Um, uh, yeah, I'll send you some links for them. I was a sure. co-host on a couple of them for the art of charm. Uh, my favorite one was with Steven Rombaum. He's a private investigator out of New York. One of the coolest cats around. That was one of my favorite shows to record. So I'll, I'll pass that one along. Um, on grumpy old geeks, any of the newer ones are all good. And I did do a, uh, single, well, we were trying an experiment called grump on grump where Brian and I will split off and go interview somebody cool that we know. So I did like a 45 minute interview with Tim Ferriss not too long ago. That was pretty fun. Nice. Very cool. All right. Well, thanks, Jason, for coming back on Show Me Mike. And oh, thanks uh, for having me. It was a blast. And uh, thank you, folks, for listening. Of course, like I said, uh, you can find all the links to the stuff we've talked about, goodstuff.fm slash smym slash 93. And uh, I didn't mention at the top of the show, but if you're interested at all in supporting what I do here podcast-wise, patreon.com slash iChris is where you can visit my Patreon page. I know it's the Grumpy Old Geeks doing well. Got, got a Patreon page going as well. And uh, it's a, definitely a service worth checking out if you're at all interested in sort of the listener-funded, crowd-funded campaign supporting uh, of your podcast efforts. Um, it's I had a chat, or well, I won't say I had a chat. I basically had a an email exchange with somebody uh, in podcast per, uh, sponsorship 
sort of pitching a show and trying to get some sponsorship stuff from them and details and things like that. And the that particular company now is like a minimum episode uh, or minimum download per episode that they'll take on is 50,000 downloads per episode. And a less about a year ago or so is in the five to 10,000 downloads per episode range. So all that to say, not to depress you in terms of getting, getting sponsorship from companies, because there's always going to be smaller companies that come in and want to sponsor. But I think, I really think and, and believe that listener supported podcasting is going to be the, the way that the rest of us can make a go of this. And so um, if you at all agree with that and, and are interested in supporting, like I said, patreon.com slash iChris. What's the Grumpy Old Geeks? Patreon.com slash? Patreon.com slash G-O-G. There you go. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm iChris. Good stuff. FM on Twitter. And show me Mike where I tweet about the show, obviously, and then other podcasting-related info. I retweet occasionally. S-M-Y-M underscore FM is the show me Mike account. And Chris at goodstuff.fm, if you have questions or comments or you're trying to schedule something that just doesn't line up on the uh, goodstuffpointlet.com scheduler, feel free to drop me an email and we'll work something out. And like I said, go check out the uh, new at YouTube podcast, goodstuff.fm slash at YouTube. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Bye.